Today's Daily DVR dives into Watchmen is sponsored by our presenting sponsor, Cufflinks.com. Who's sponsoring this whole season? Go to Cufflinks.com slash DVR today. And this month, until the end of October, that's right, until Halloween, use code DCComics20 to save 20% off all DC Comics items. Go over to Cufflinks.com. Not only if you have an event coming up, But just if you want to look good when you walk outside in the morning. And they've got lots of cool geeky stuff. Game of Thrones, Marvel, DC, they got it. They've also got sports, NHL, NBA, NFL. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Use code DCComics20 and save 20% off. Do it. Welcome back to Daily DVR Does Watchmen. My name is Axel, and my co-host every Wednesday is Aaron Otto, a.k.a.-Hustler. Today, we'll be talking about Watchmen Season 1, Episode 2, Martial Feats of Comanche Horsemanship. Written by our showrunner and series creator, Damon Lindelof, and Nick Cuse. That's Carlton Cuse's son, people. Lost, baby. The episode was directed again by Nicole Castle. I'll be back on Friday with our deep dive and feedback with Roberto, so please send us your feedback at dvrpodcast at gmail.com. And announcement, this Sunday I will be recording an initial reaction for episode three with Roger Roper from Shat on TV. Go check out shatontv.com. Find out more about those guys. They're great. They also cover Westworld and a bunch of other shows. They've had a lot of success. The show's great. Take a listen. They go deep on stuff. Got a lot of details. I've been enjoying it. Uh, Also, don't forget to take a look at your show notes. Just scroll down on your podcast app. If it says click for more, it'll take you to our website. And also do us a favor. Give us a review. We really do appreciate it, especially on Apple Podcasts. Please do give us a review. A special shout out, of course, as well to our patrons, go to patreon.com slash DVR and you can become a patron and get old episodes of Lost Mythos Theorycast, Film List, and get everything ad free. All right, enough of that stuff. Aaron, how you doing? How did you like this second episode of Watchmen? I'm doing great, man. I'm so excited to talk about the show uh, this week just because there's so much happened and uh, we got got into the mystery or uh, is it the insidious conspiracy <laughs> of uh, what's going on here? So I, we knew that there was going to be other another layer, and I'm sure there'll be many more to come. Um, and it's just giving it's just another just like a David Lindelof story, and you know, good storytelling anyway. Especially when you're talking about stuff like this, you just want a puzzle. You want to you don't want to just be fed the information and be a sponge you want to like try to figure things out for yourself ask the questions you know and that he and that's why i love damon lundelof he just doesn't give it to you there's just so many little different things that are going on at any one time in his uh storytelling what about you buddy yeah uh, thank you i'm doing good doing good happy to be here um i did a little bit of uh just some questions that I had that we'll be going over on on our flagship show, Daily DVR. You, people can subscribe to that too and just thinking about it. And that's the same kind of thought process I had, which is it's great to have a show like this, like a Westworld, like a Lost, other shows. Game of Thrones had that a little bit, uh, not as much, I don't think, where we can kind of come up with fun theories, anything can happen. But this episode was great because – 
Damon is the man and we get character stuff. And this episode, I felt much more of a connection, uh, especially to Angela. And that's kind of something I was looking for because the first episode was a lot of info dump, right? Sure. And and we yeah. did it too. We've been talking about it. We're like, this podcast will probably be a half hour shorter because we don't have to start the whole thing going. It's a remix and blend the comic and blah, you know, yeah. it, it's a lot. But this settled in, told us a good story, grounded us in our characters while still allowing us to explore this world through them. And that's what I really enjoyed about it. So let's get to it, baby. Let's just kind of jump in and talk about the things that we found most interesting. Uh, you want to start off? Uh, oh, we were to start off with the painting. Yeah. Right? Let's and that's, about that. yeah, that's the title. So I want to give a shout out to Matt from J Jack and Matt podcast who are covering this. And um, he is an artist and an art teacher. And he noticed that this is a painting called Comanche feats of horsemanship, which is a play on the title of the episode. The title of the episode is Marshall feats of Comanche horsemanship, but the actual title of the painting is Comanche Feats of Horsemanship. So I wonder if that's a, a different title for it. Um, you know, a martial means having to do with military or fighting, right? Isn't that what it means? Yeah. Um, yeah. So kind of the same thing. Um, or Marshall Will Reeves, right? Wasn't he a Marshall? <laughs> Marshall, yeah. Mar- yeah. In its separate, yeah. in a different spelling, yeah. but same sound, right? Yeah. Um, the painting was from 1834 to 1835 by George Catlin, who was, um, Matt said this, and I looked a little into it. He was one of the first people to, um, first white guys to basically venture into Native American territory and capture and paint not only them, but also the landscapes. Um, so this is kind of an interesting allusion to history. Uh, so much of the show is about race. So you can think about the Native Americans and also they were ones to wear masks through ritual, right? That's um, right. Very interesting stuff. And also, if you look at the painting, what it's showing is and there of obviously if you all remember we get a really tight pull into the painting um when we are at the uh at Judd's house for his wake I guess if that's what you would call it right yeah I guess yeah, they're all sitting they shiva and um we get a really nice pull that's like a Kubrickian pull I love that and uh it's the two, so there's two Native Americans basically using their horses as a defense against their attackers, right? Yeah. So this is basically a defensive maneuver, and you've seen this in movies too, where they kind of bend down, come back up like that. Um, and it made me think, who in the show is doing that? What is this trying to communicate to us? Who in the show is maneuvering behind something that is not – they're using their mode of transportation or they're using their – they're using some a delivery system perhaps to hide behind something 
against their attackers only to spring up and get them. Mm-hmm. So it's, it kind of made me think about that. I'm not quite sure. Is it, is it the, is it, um, the Calvary? Is it Ozymandias? Is it Dr. Manhattan? Who's the conspiracy? Who's doing this big conspiracy as we're starting to see, you know, we end the episode with Will getting thrust up by a huge magnet. Yo, it wasn't Jesse Pinkman. It was somebody in our story. So I don't know. Yep. Just made me think, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Um, it could, it's definitely could be an allusion to, you know, conspiracy or what's going on in the show. Obviously it has some bearing, uh, on that. Um, but it, it can go a number of different ways. It can also be more of a, I mean, it was, I think it was Angela who was looking at it or appeared to look at yeah. it or maybe, a, so maybe it's something that she's actually going through, or it could be just a reference. It could be just more mundane and a reference to, um, the, the conspiracy that she's discovering there, just the, the players that she knows of anyway, with Judd, uh, you know, that he's actually not who he appears to be. So I, I yeah, Oh, it could be. that's interesting. Right. That it, that in fact, it's Judd who was hired. Yeah, and I then mean, it could f- be on a much more a minor level, or, okay. you know, but it, but it can relate to everything. It right. Is it yes. That's good, Ahas. I like that. And then, of course, because we later find the Ku Klux Klan robes, yeah. you know, what it, hiding behind oh, yeah. something, right? Hide yeah. behind your robes. So that's very interesting. But I thought I just loved that. So Damon, of course, we we knew saw that and lost so many paintings, so many books on people's shelves or desks, <laughs> right? mm-hmm. like, yeah, or carrying in a bag or under their shelf. Like, so yeah, there's just that was fun. There's so much art. We had a play in the first one. We yep. had a movie. I mean, this guy just he he had all on all cylinders. And then we went and then we exited and faded out with the Beastie Boys Eggman. Come on. <laughs> I was just listening to that the day before, literally. Like that was awesome, man. I love that album, Paul's Boutique. That's one of the best hip hop albums ever made. Yeah, um maybe. so yeah, let's get into uh let's get into the show. Let's talk about uh Hooded Justice. There's a lot of stuff around Hooded Justice in this show. Now, the American Hero story um, that we've seen uh, a couple clips now um, from the first show and the second show, um, it talks about Hooded Justice and almost takes on like a first person look at who Hooded Justice was. And uh, with the comic and, you know, and, and, you know, telling our listeners that the comic, the first hero, and I think we mentioned this in one of the other two podcasts that we did, um, that Hooded Justice was the first Minuteman, the first one to put on a a mask and to be part of this group of heroes, but he was, he was by himself when he started out. And so I think uh, they were showing basically the first uh, thing that he did when he first made his appearance at the store. And then he, when he stopped the robbery um, and killed, you know, quite violently <laughs> Jesus. And, um, and he killed uh, the, um, the, and, or hurt a couple of the uh, robbers. So it definitely, um, it, it was, it was to talk about him. And then it, it got really weird at the end of that segment. And it said like, um, when he was, you know, an eye and the mask became one or something like that. Do you remember what it said exactly? Uh, no, I don't. Okay. So he was like, it was almost, it was like a first person like narrative. And then he's like, and I became the mask or something. And then, you know, I didn't have to wear the mask 
uh, or the mask became me. You know what I mean? So it was, it was really strange way to look at it. And the story, like it's the first person, like who is this guy? He was supposedly dead. So he also said he wasn't dead. So that was really weird to me that they thought, they thought it was what Rolf, Rolf Mueller, who was like laying down in the harbor. Yes. He was dead. Um, so it starts off it, with a conspiracy right away. Right. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> it's like, it's, how the hell did they even know that? Because according to the comic, nobody ever heard, like they just, yeah, all, where that, this comic this was ended cool. was yep. they found him in the harbor. And now that they just, everybody assumed that was him. So, not only did they give a different take on it, but how the hell did they know that it wasn't him and what happened to him? Yeah. And like, it seems so, like that's, and it seems like if this is a popular TV show, right. Yeah. That's debuting in this world that this would kind like everybody knew this already. You know what I mean? Yeah. It would be like yeah. when we're watching a behind the music about Millie Vanilli. And then they're yeah. like, but it turns out, you know, we weren't really singing. And everyone's like, no shit, dude, you're Millie Vanilli. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So in this world, that's part of the thing that I think we, we picked up on and we were talking about initially is that the remix, part of this remix is our own, is the way that even in our own universe, there's alternate histories to so many stories. And in this universe now, it's with it being not only 30 years later, but I think Damon kind of taking the idea that the things that were present in the comic we come to find were only one version of a reality, like so many histories are. So that I thought right away, this this hit me just like the squid thing, right? Yeah. Because yeah, I, I, I was like, wait, I thought that, it was only a rumor. Like they didn't know that it was him. And now he's giving the voiceover and it's obvious that they're going to say he's hooded justice. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's very strange. But and- I think that plays into, um, the idea. A lot of people are obviously having the idea is will hooded justice, right? Exactly. Yes. And that's he- where we're about to get into. Yeah. Yep. So, did you know we had we started off with the theater um and that whole idea of him seeing that as a kid then experiencing this terrible massacre and i think that kind of plays into also the idea that the what they're presenting on the tv there's even a further conspiracy which is that Will was the real first hooded justice. Maybe he's not this hooded justice, but he was yeah, the real first yeah, hooded justice. Yeah. So there's always a conspiracy behind the conspiracy and this having to do with our overall theme of race and hidden histories in our own country. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was really interesting also that, I mean, you can also take it from the perspective that Damon seized on that plot and said, well, I could actually say that he's still alive because nothing, they were never clear that it was actually him. There was never like definitive proof that this Rolf guy that was him. So he could have also just seized on that pot, you know, and just and manipulated to his own end. But you're yeah. also right. There's probably more likely that, um, that something along those lines happened with the remixing of the, of the world. And there's the uh, idea that um, Roberto brought up that, that there was also an an allusion to hooded justice being gay 
and having an affair with another one of the Minutemen. Yeah, uh, yeah, do tell. And that is kind of another alternate uh, history idea, you know, or is are these all purposeful obfuscations to hide who he is, right? Like one of the things we can consider is that, and if we look into the comic, I don't know whether we see this as much, but I could see Damon bring it up is purposeful conspiracies to hide the truth, which are, we commonly just call lies, right? but people do that. In these, in this case too. So, if he was to spread a lot of different rumors about himself, it's also a way of keeping the mystery alive, or yeah. taking away from the true person, which is Will. Yes, yeah, that's true. I mean, that's definitely not whoever that person was, and I mean the way that it fades in and out of each scene, and um, you know, it. I definitely think that Will is sort of justice. You think um, so? I do. But do, you, do. but do you think he's along uh, like hooded justice one and the hooded? Yeah, ju- exactly. So it's something like that. But I right. mean, he's the original. That's he's the OG. But I don't know. After that, it's anybody's guess. You you have a good take on that. But I don't know. Maybe there wasn't. Maybe it was just a remixing of it, like you said. Maybe somebody lied about it. You know? I, mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. It's just like you said. Maybe it was just a conspiracy with the government. Because the whole Rolf Mueller thing, also there were allusions in the comic to him being a Nazi sympathizer. Yeah. Um, and that plays along into the whole idea of um, our, you know, uh, the uh, I keep on forgetting the name of. I want to keep on calling them the Clan oh, instead the of the Minutemen? Calvary. Um, oh, the Calvary. Yeah, Sorry. I gotta get. I keep on wanting to say clan yep. instead of Calvary, but it plays into that With idea too. If that if that's present there, but what we learn, what we see in this, it is so strange the way it starts out, <laughs> like the guy dead in the beach, right? Yeah. And like all these people looking at, it and it's like a kind of just, but that. And then you hear the voice, and then also you start off with this. It's Germans, but it's World War One. Yeah. Um, and this looks like Will's dad um oh, yeah, yeah, in yeah, the service and get and and I, I forgot, man. I, I was like I was like freaking sitting there and I was like, Oh man and Perry was like, What? And I was like, you know, last week on the pod I had written down what was on the other side of the note. Like uh-huh. what did he write on it? Because for a second they flash it and I forgot to go back and look, and it turns out to be like a similar uh, something having to do with obviously what starts off the show here, which is an actual thing that happened that, yeah, it is. Yeah. This is a real story. I mean, this is similar to people. We did this. Americans did this all the time. We did this in Vietnam constantly. We dropped yep. pamphlets all over. Leaflets, yep, yeah. Yep, in Cambodia yep. too. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, this happened in world war two. This, this, this is like, this goes back to like Ramsey Bolton sending letters to Jon Snow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come and find me, bastard. Um, but uh, that was great too because is there's a connection, German, whatever, but it's different time and different, but it just speaks to history. 
And I I like the fact that so much of the Watchmen too dealt with like big wars and kind of watershed American years and moments. And it was interesting to see it from now we're seeing it from a different perspective. Yeah. And I I think it was very honest about our history. You know, Alan Moore, the writer of the Watchmen, I mean, he was very, you know, let's just, he didn't shy away from what he thought about our history. And uh, he saw a lot of the injustice um, in it. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is what, that this is why this show and the comic that it's based off are great. You know, it's not just storytelling. It actually brings in actual history and human emotions and drama and, you know, and and combines them all together and creates a mystery. Love Damon Lindelof, man. Um, So what's interesting about, okay, so we have Will starting in the first episode. He's in the theater, which is also called William's Dreamland Theater. So I don't know, maybe his father, it's his father's theater is what I'm guessing. Mm. And then maybe he named it after his son, or maybe it's him, maybe it's Will Jr. Uh, so I was wondering where he got that name from. And I initially thought that he may have taken the name from uh, from Marshall Will Reeves from the movie, just because his name was Will too. And so maybe it, his it father, was, yeah, may, well, maybe yeah, that's his it, grandfather. Yeah, so I think that, it's actually probably his father named it Williams Dreamland Theater. Now that I look at the words together, it seems like it's right. You know, because it is he was in the he was in the theater by himself, and you know what I mean. Like, yeah. it just well, like I it think there be. is some thought there that that's their grandfather, that it goes back that far, oh. and that he's watching a, a reel of his own grandfather. Uh, yeah, but the movies were just created then so yeah but he would be a little but he would also oh, you be, say, oh i see what you're saying yeah. i see what you're saying okay that that, yeah, that's very related. possible okay that that's the whole family that we're seeing and that's you know? where you got the idea of the mask from yeah. and become hooded justice this goes back what, generation right it goes back even farther than just he was the original hooded justice not only that but his grandfather was the real original yeah, but it was in a movie, you know, so. But that's a real guy. <laughs> so, and we don't know in this world, yeah, no. you yeah. don't, you don't know, right? We don't, yeah, we know we don't so know, little but- of people's histories. I know I don't want to go too far, but, and I know people are saying this too, and you have the name is the same. So you say that as well, but um, it's, it's potentially true because that is kind of what this story is a superhero elevated um, yeah. mythological tale, it would not yeah. be really stretching it to say the reason why we're following Angela is because she is the great, great grandchild of the original. And not only was, you know, his story has been hidden, but the grandfather and hers and every, you know, it's all about. I don't think it. I, I, yeah. I don't think it'll go that deep, but it's possible. Yeah, it's possible. That's very possible. You know, I am sometimes prone to making large crazy theories <laughs> not axel <laughs> so you know i mean let's be That's honest awesome. here oh, yeah um, let's be honest it does i, I it do does love happen. the fact yeah to bring it back a little bit i do love the fact that he made that dr manhattan joke i remember you you were talking about that before the season you're like yeah people have been saying he's like dr manhattan and then yeah. i love the fact that he just says you know he's moving around that he's dr manhattan and I, then, dude uh, look you know <laughs> that great. when they're sitting there writing this in the writer's room 
they're saying, what are people going to be saying after episode one? Uh-huh. And they're That's writing true. to to the response and they're going to get a lot of it right. And then a lot of people are going to be like, how did you do that? And they're going to, and then their answer and Damon's answer is going to be, cause I'm a geek just like you. If I watched yeah. episode one, I'd be saying the weird guy in the wheelchair is Dr. Manhattan, you know, like <laughs> exactly. So it's the only one we know has magical powers. Yeah. Right? So. so, but, um, let's talk about that's big. That's the big thing people are talking about this week is will. Hooded Justice, is he Dr. Manhattan? I had no. – uh, there are some uh, little points. He drinks that coffee super hot, just takes it right down, right? He uh-huh. he reaches his hand into boiling water, which is reminiscent of – I believe it was Blade Runner. There's a scene where one of the androids does that, a replicants. Okay. And he's also taking some weird pills that he seems very dependent on. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's 105 or seven years old. He admits to being right. Yeah. So there, in, there's also another scene in this show where there's a guy who has a bunch of clones around him. And that guy happens to be Ozymandias. We believe <laughs> the, the, the puppet master is will a clone or a part of Ozymandias's plan here and it involves Angela and Judd and obviously what's going on here with the Calvary and all that. And Will is like some kind of clone or something. See, I don't know. Why would they clone Will, who's Angela? No. So they, they tested the DNA. I don't know how the I don't know in the scientific thing. That was split. that was kind of funny to me. Like, that was yeah. like yeah. Yeah. Let's say let me say let me say it's like a roundabout way to do yeah. it. Can't you just go to like the Yeah, she's a cop. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't get that. That was kind of a fun but way. I, I, yeah. But I, I got it because she wants to keep it secret. Yes. Because part of her nose, like in her spidey senses yeah, or her sixth that, sense, knows something's yeah. up. I, I understand, but I also felt like keep it secret. She's kind of in charge now. You know what I mean? Like if she just said run oh. DNA on this, nobody's going to ask any questions. Judd just died. They were just torturing a guy to get information and they have masks on. It doesn't. But then again, they live well, in this high administrative Robert Redford, right? Like you could tell that there's probably and a lot she of obviously rules. has to worry about looking glass too. Oh, I okay. Mean, good so point. She, good she point. has to watch every yes. move that she makes. True. That's a and great point just, in the inside. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. a good. So point. I think okay. there's a lot of good reasons for her doing that. You solved my um, concerns about that, but I did think that it was kind of a funny scene because one of the things I was thinking yeah. was, it's funny politically speaking, where we have so many debates about privacy and information, and certain people on the right have one attitude, and people on the left have another attitude towards legislation, but we all seem to have a similar attitude towards keeping our privacy. But what kind of a place would it be is I could do this to anybody? You know what I mean? Like whenever (laughs) I could just – of course, it would have to be someone that you thought was black that lived in Tulsa that would – right? Like that's what it was testing for. But it just seems rather strange that you could take any DNA and just stick it into a machine and they'd call a number and tell you some sort of – any type of results – well, about, yeah, it would be you, know? you are a relative or descendant. Yeah, it's a little like not, and that's but it. It just it because I'm just I only I don't mean to be pedantic about it, but because they are creating this world where these more like progressive policies are enacted, 
it's interesting that that is kind of okay, you know, though it says something to perhaps their idea of privacy in this world, which we don't know too much about besides the masks and all that. Um, But that was a cool scene, though, especially when uh, also wasn't that Will's dad that was carrying the gun and like you hear him talk uh, that looked just like him. Uh, Yeah. That was Will's dad, I thought. So she like walks by who could potentially be her her great grandfather uh, or her grand right? Would it yeah. be her no, then it would yeah, it would yeah, be her great grandfather. Yeah. Great grandfather, yeah. So that's, that's interesting. I don't I didn't know if anybody if if you caught that, I didn't know I I, yeah. I didn't look at it the second time and hone in on it, yeah. but I remember thinking it was just taken for granted. It looked just like him. Taking a little break to remind you to go to cufflinks.com. Go to cufflinks.com slash DVR today and use code DCComics20 and save 20% off all DC Comics stuff. Man, I got an awesome Batman tie. I'm looking at it right now. That's right. Do it. Watchman, Batman, they got it all. Go over to cufflinks.com slash DVR today. Save 20% off on DC Comics. Use code DCComics20. You can also use our code DVR20 at any time. Save 20% off. No minimum. Go over to cufflinks.com now. One of the best parts about podcasting is getting to know the listeners and making new friends. And one of those friends is Andy. You may have heard me mention him before on one of our many podcasts. And Andy and his wife, Claire, are looking to adopt. So if you or anybody you know is considering adoption for their baby, please consider the loving family of Andrew and Claire. They're a home study approved adoptive family of three living on a farm in southern Minnesota with a dog, Barney, and two turtles. They're able to adopt from anywhere in the United States and would love to answer any questions you may have. To learn more about them, check out their Facebook page at Andrew and Claire Adopt or on Instagram at Andrew underscore and underscore Claire underscore adopt. You can also email them at Andrew and Claire Adopt at gmail.com. So again, if you or anyone you know is considering adoption for their baby, reach out at andrewandclaireadopt at gmail.com. Thanks. So I guess we have to get back to the conspiracy thing. But one thing I do want to discuss before we hit that is, so when Will's getting taken up, uh, when obviously Angela's about to take him into the police station or act like she is, I don't think she would have. Um, she was just going to play it and like, you know, have more dialogue. Yeah, I with think them, she got you know? emotional. Yeah. She got emotional. Yeah. Yeah. It hit her. She was actually, I thought at a turning point there. Yeah. I did That's too. what was then great like, writing. It was. And then he just, and then like the magnet comes down, yeah. sucks him up. <laughs> I'm wondering if he just like threw the leaflet. I, I felt like he did, but we'll get to that. Um, so it sucks him up. And my initial reaction was, this has got to be Night Owl, man. It's got to be Night Owl, dude. Coming in with a ship, with a magnet. Yeah. Uh, I, it, for for those of you who are not familiar with the comic, Night Owl is one of the main uh, heroes of the last comic. And he actually, again, he didn't have superpowers, but he did have some uh, pretty cool engineering airship. Um, which we saw in the first episode, uh, like a copy or yeah, Archie Mandy. We don't really know if that was even it. It could have been a copy yeah, of it. It did look more um, like a copy. But even if it was the original ship, he could have upgraded his ship by then. You know, technology has improved somewhat. So you would think that he might have a new ship or something. So yeah. I do think it was, that's my guess, that it was Night Owl that grabbed him. 
Okay. Right? I know you you were talking you're talking about Ozymandias, but yeah, go ahead. Um I think well no, I was just saying that Will could that was just kind of a crazy idea I had. I don't I I don't I'm not quite sure. I mean, he it doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean that the person who picked him up is the person that will is eventually going to be aligned with or like you know what i'm saying like we i could still be correct and it could be a different person that picked him up but sure. i think that along those lines um i think that you're probably correct about that um but it may be another character that we have not seen yet um sure that, could be a couple of characters yes really. that was let's just say that was very close to night owl yeah very close it's, like maybe it seemed like it his girlfriend it like, yeah it seemed like we okay so we've seen ozymandias right we've um we know that uh what's her name uh oh, jesus i can't Specter, Silk Specter yeah. Two, yep. is going to be Jean Smart. I thought she's going to be in this episode. She was. That's who I'm alluding to. Yeah, um, but, but she's. In, I'm pretty sure that's not going to be her though, because she's like in the FBI or something. Um, so well, and that's then we have, the thing is, you don't know that yeah. Will could be. You know, he said, "I have they friends in high places." Yeah, could it be that if she is a character now? And uh, involved with the government or whatnot, who knows what her real position is? We don't. We only know maybe we hear a thing or two, but I haven't re- really read anything uh, into it. So, well, I'm going to put the kibosh on that because her character is not going to be sitting there waiting for Will. I'm sorry, but if she's in the FBI and all that, no way. Well, maybe not I mean, waiting for him, but maybe he got out. He just appeared in Angela's life. So perhaps he left wherever he was or he went there and he's not supposed to be there. And they came what, and like kind of took him back. Uh, that's not what I meant. I actually, okay. So, all right, let me back up uh, to the first episode. So when we find him sitting there next to Judd, he says he strung him up. That's bullshit. He did not string him up. The guy who <laughs> fucking picked him up strung him up. Yes. And he helped. Yeah. And yeah, so that's what happened, actually. Because even when he said it, there was a hesitation the way he said it, which was good acting on Lewis Gossett Jr.'s. It's like, I told you, I'm the man that strung him up. Like, well, he, that was his, always listen, his default. Listen to, I, I understand what you're saying. And when I when I was saying that, um, you know, it could be Silk Spectre and she is just, you know, she maybe she's working now for an offshoot of the government, or perhaps she's a part of a rogue element that takes after him and knows about the truth about who really Angela is and all this. And there's a wider conspiracy, right? That was just a theory I had. Oh Um, yeah, it could be. I just, yeah. I just don't like, there's a point, like, I feel like, I don't know. I just feel like there's, it's this is like a separate thing here that it's like him and I don't know if there's a little group or if it's just one other person like Night Hours. Okay. Um, but I just feel like you know based on the evidence that he's just there ready to scoop him up. He obviously wasn't Louis Gossett Jr. handcuffed um, to to like the table yeah, or something, and, he got- <laughs> and then he came back and said, "How did you get eggs to go across the street?" Right. So well, that's what I help. was gonna. That's what I was gonna point out when that's you were I- when you were saying that he said. Um, 
that he strung him up and that, you know, he kind of talked, he's, he seems to be speaking in riddles, right? He has yeah. friends in high places and then he gets mm-hmm. taken up by a magnet. I mean, come on, you know, yeah. like everything is, a, he, he's speaking in these riddles and it seems to me that we could be seeing a situation where one of the reasons he's speaking in riddles to her is that you're right. He is a part of some kind of group or that knows what's going on, but he really shouldn't be talking to his granddaughter. And that's kind of why he gets scooped up, why he's speaking in riddles. He's being cut. Like, you know what I mean? It's, it just seems like one of those typical kind of comic booky guy appears out of nowhere it's your grandfather gets gets all of a sudden like spirited away. Why? Oh, he shouldn't have been talking to her. And then she gets embroiled into the larger conspiracy herself through him and blah, 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 blah. You know? Well, I thought he was just trying to save him. I mean, I, th- I mean, the guy put him down there. I mean, he's the one that's whoever's in the ship. He's the one that's kind of like helping him move around and stuff. And that, that's how he meets Angela in the first place. So, Oh, oh, okay. So you think that the ship helped him put Judd there and all that. Oh, absolutely. Not the ship, but whoever was in the ship. Yeah. I think that it might be that he just showed up after what happened to Judd happened. Sure. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm not saying that the guy did it to Judd. I'm saying that he may have strung him up or he may have look like that. Yeah. Or he just, whatever, however, Louis Louis Gossett Jr. There got there. I mean, it has to be that ship. So yeah, that he's but well, I guess we're yeah. well. You know what? We're gonna find out probably within the first couple of seconds <laughs> in the next episode, or maybe we won't find out for like two weeks. Uh, yeah. But whatever it was, it was a great ending, and there's a lot of mystery around Will, and I, I, it is very cool the way we're already guessing so deep into something and being able to have this conversation, and we're only two episodes in. That's a lot of fun to me. Um, the connections with the original comic, and we'll see if who who that was. Um, it was. It reminded me of a kind of reverse. Um, uh, who's in the uh, Who's in the Dharma Station? <laughs> like with Desmond, right? Like yeah. instead of opening it up, they get pulled up because it kind of looked like the top to it when it came yeah. down. Right? It looked like the lid to it. <laughs> uh, that was kind of funny. Um, but uh all right what uh let's see what else we got um oh we had the white knight and a uh, larger conspiracy this was uh, a real part of the episode that i enjoyed which was seeing this flashback to what happened to angela during the white knight and learning more about it what we this seemed a little also suspicious to me yeah very suspicious. It all seemed like set up in a way. Yeah. What what did, what did you think about it? Okay, so let's just discuss the scene. You know, they're so her husband and her are sitting there, uh sorry, standing, uh embracing and doing other things that we won't talk about. It's a PG <laughs> podcast. <laughs> um, we got the explicit yeah. tag. We can hand say down the pants. Yep. Yeah, hand down the pants. I like the sexuality that they're showing with I, them. You know, yeah. the first episode, this episode, because I think that that's cool the way they're just kind of, first of all, I think Regina King has sometimes been typecast as like this hard woman, 
you know? Yeah. And it's good to see her. That's why I loved her in The Leftovers. She was just kind of a real person and real people have sex and she's just an alive person. <laughs> no, they have sex no, but I mean, she's a very, alive. <laughs> you can tell she's very alive. She has an active sex life with her husband. She's works. She's just a very, she like, is just like, she's a freaking superhero, you know, in the sheets and on the streets. Oh baby. There we go on the sheets and on the streets. Okay. <laughs> so back to the action. So they're sent they're um, embrace and the clocks behind them where the tick, tick, tick so loud and it's everywhere in the show. Um, I don't know if I'm going to like clocks after this show, I know, <laughs> but no, I'm kidding. Yeah. Just whenever I hear that tick and it's almost like a metronome too. Um, so Basically, and she knows she, her spidey senses, her intuition tells her that somebody's there. We're not alone. And then uh, shortly thereafter, um, somebody busts in the door and starts shooting. Her husband goes one way. She goes the other behind the counter. And the guy goes after her. And then she stabs him and kills him. Um, and then she's, uh, she's standing there. And then another guy comes in with a gun and shoots her. And then it like standing over here, over her with the gun and, you know, while she's bleeding out and it looks like she loses consciousness. It looks like, you know, you think she's going to, he's going to shoot her or something, but that didn't happen. And then she wakes up with Don Johnson in the hospital bed and finds out that she's been there for three days. So now let me back up into the action. First of all, like her husband goes one way and she goes the other way. And we don't see the husband when she wakes up. Like, yeah. this is very weird. Like, I, I, weird. my initial thought was yep. like, like when she was there and I thought the husband's going to come up and like hit the dude and, on top yeah. on the head behind him. And I'm like, that didn't happen. So it was like a dream, right? She pushes him. He just kind of disappears into behind yeah. the couch. Yeah. And the guy, nobody. Yeah. He's just. I'm sorry, but that was that yeah, was not right. So I don't know if that was a yeah. mistake in editing. I really don't think it no, was. I don't think it was so meticulous. Because check so it out. Me, in the first, yeah. I just want to point out in the first episode when she is suspic- when she gets the call from Will, and um, she puts the phone down. The first thing she does is do that cool thing where she jumps on the bed and punches out, and a shotgun comes out. And then she goes in the closet and grabs a gun and throws it to her husband. Yeah. So they are both and says, protect the house. Okay. So what's up with when it happened that first, maybe he learned some training because of it, but it's like he disappears. And then the guy comes to shoot her in the head and then we cut and she's in the hospital bed and Judd is sitting there. Yeah. So. Yeah, go ahead. Um, no, go. I mean, I think we're going to come to the same conclusion, which is it seemed weird. Like, was Judd the one who was going to shoot her and then stopped? Why did, they're trying there? It's like they're purposefully making that connection. We have the thing with the with finding, again, the Ku Klux Klan hood in his closet, which I think really was his dad's because we talked about the first episode, how his dad was actually in the massacre scene. You can see him in the, from the photograph and he's carrying a gun and he's got that same look at exact same robes and such on. It actually looks like it has the same kind of patch or something on it. Um, so this is just like trying to get us to think that Judd was a part of this. That's hmm. what I got from it. Yeah. So that's, yeah, I, th- I thought so too. I mean, and also, uh, 
sir what so was Judd the guy standing over her I don't know it did, it didn't he I mean he it would make sense right I mean it, it, it either that or the husband did hit him and it just showed her when she was conscious I mean it's very possible that they're not showing us everything on purpose yes, to that's, make it more yes. yeah yep. more yep. mysterious Listen, so yeah man. I don't think he did initially but you know there, there's still a question in my mind that mm-hmm. the husband is something off about him Look, if you've got a whole show about conspiracies and about alternate histories, we have to get meta. This is Damon. And he knows that we're at home making our own conspiracies. So the show is going to purposefully try to lead us down or show us certain things to make us think that. And I'm of the opinion that they are purposefully trying to make us believe that Judd is a bad guy. And I'm more along the lines of what we were saying in the first episode. I still kind of feel, and now I feel more so because of this, that Judd you know, somehow sacrificed himself or Judd is a good guy. And the reason he kept those robes was to remember the evil from which he sprang and which from which he has to fight every day is within himself as well as other people. And that's what made him willing to want to go on this fight but it seems as though he's also the one who made the choice that the police should wear masks and remember the cop's wife questions him about that all this stuff now in episode two and seeing the way that um judd reacted when he said we're gonna let the guns out and he said well i know angela you're gonna tell me i shouldn't do this that i'm going too far panda said that he was going too far right yeah so what is a way to get people what's the in every freaking movie and tv show we've seen when somebody wants to make their warriors fight for them in a war that they are convinced is the just and right thing to do but their own people think is not sacrificing yourself is a surefire way to motivate your troops to go ahead with that war. There we go. Uh, you heard it from Axel right here on this podcast. That's what I see when I'm watching this. I just, and I, I know it seems like Angela is now questioning everything and she, you know, she finds the Judd stuff, and then we see what happens here at this night. He's sitting there. Who else? Would, I think you said to me on the phone, who else would have all the names of the policemen? It's got to be a cop. Yeah. yeah. Right? So, you know, so it's, I, an, it's interesting. I, but that, I don't know. Do you agree? Do you disagree? What do you think? Uh, I mean, from what I've done, I mean, it's, it's a good theory, and it could very well work out. I, I don't see that. Um. I, I felt like the way that the action was shot when she was in the house during the whatever the wake, um, I felt very uh, I felt very strange. It's like when she walks in, then the Judd's wife like latches onto her immediately, and like it does focus on her, which is. You know, I don't really we don't know enough about them and their relationship, but it didn't seem like they really knew each other before a few years prior. And, you know, when it seemed like when Judd and Angela were in a hospital together, it seemed like she was just a police officer on the force and they weren't close at all. You know what I mean? With, uh, with Judd, like they weren't close at that time. Do you agree with yeah. that? Yeah. Well, I, maybe she was new to the, that's a great point that this event solidified Judd's, 
um, his relationship with that's not, how their relationship. Yeah, got not started, only really, Angela, but also the cop that got shot. Right, so it, it solidified his relationship with all of the cops. So it maybe he is in on it because it would also be a great plan that if you're in on it, you then become the hero. Right. Mm-hmm, that's right. So I, you can keep watch over the watchman. See, I really felt that during that, that hospital scene, that's what gave it away to me. It seemed fake to me. Yeah. It was very uh, dream. The whole thing was very dreamlike and you're right. And it continued into the wake itself where we also met, um, James Keen. That's what I was about to say next is that, and James Keene, he's the opposite of Redford. I mean, he's very, he's probably very right wing. Yes. Um, so he's friends well, I don't know with, if very is, I, I, because I think it's okay, a different okay, political okay, climate. But it seems like they're probably maybe very different. Yeah. I think, I think, I think from what I remember of the little bit of the radio and talk of him in the first episode is that, and I may have read some of this on the PDpedia, which has some new entries, by the way, go to HBO or go to our, join our Facebook page. I've been posting them. And this is kind of filler stuff, additional material. I think he's actually positioning himself more as a moderate, but with, he may be positioning himself that way, but that's not who he is. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's, yes. That to me, that's, to me, that's I what I got from it. World. I could be wrong. This yeah. is just theory. But yeah. that's why he's it's- friends and he appears there. He's not like an adversarial. Uh, it's not as though they're setting it up like Nixon versus Redford. It's more like he's the smooth talking kind of like, let's let everybody talk. You know what I mean? Kind of deal, which I think yeah. would be interesting for this show. I mean, it could be a part of the, if there is a conspiracy, it could be a part of that oh. as well. Oh, everybody's so. a part of the conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we can go there, but, but I'm just saying like, what, who are the actors that we've met that could possibly be linked on a conspiracy the way that, um, uh, Louis Gossett, I mean, Will's character yes. um, describes it. So there's only, we have Judd, maybe Looking Glass and a couple of the other, you know, the Red Scare and. Uh, and then maybe Judd's wife and maybe Keen. That's pretty much mm. it. That's all we have to work with. Yeah. Well, so Ozymandias. If there, if there is one. Oh, Ozzy yeah, Ma- Ozymandias. Dr. That, Manhattan. <laughs> that's some other shit, though. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That, and that's- Dr., Dr. Manhattan has, like, this is all trivial shit to him. I don't know, like, why he would be involved with any of this stuff. True. Well, like, that that's uh, interesting because that was a big part of his character, right? And, and at the end of the Watchmen comic, he did have... Uh, he was able to get in touch with humanity, right? Through yeah, but the to that story. level? Right, yeah. exactly. Because then he decided at the end, I'm going to go off. And actually, I think one of the last things he says is like Roberto said, is like, I'm going to create new universes or find new yes. universes. Which, new life you know, or something. Yeah. Exactly. Which makes us believe yeah. maybe this whole thing. Also, we keep on seeing his castle. In the, in the in the show, Ozymandias yeah. is ca- Doctor Manhattan's building it. Then um, Angela's son is building it. Then it's 
right? We see the castle. And that's again. also very s- strange because didn't he like build a castle on Mars in yeah. the comic in like no time at all? Like that'd be like nothing to him. Why, why would he still be building something? Yeah, there? it doesn't weird, make any dude. sense to me. It's a lie. <laughs> <Sorry. laughs> yeah, it's all lies. Dude. I like, think it's what? a lies too. When I saw that, uh, we, didn't, we didn't talk about it. I'm glad we're talking about it now, but because I was looked back when I was rewatching this episode and I looked a little bit of last episode, I wanted to see that part again. And that's mm-hmm. when he's in the co- with the cop cop's wife, that scene, which I think is very thematically important. I'm going to keep drilling down on it, but you see Dr. Manhattan and it just looks so fake. It's like, you know what it I does. mean? Like it just looks like file footage. Hey, there's Dr. Manhattan on Mars again. It's just chilling. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and the way they joke about it too, right? Angela jokes about it. He's on Mars. Like there's yeah. like two or three times they or I think two times they joke about it this episode. And I think that it is maybe it's a joke. Maybe people are like, yeah, he's on Mars. And they're like, no, really. And that's why she's like, maybe you're Dr. Manhattan, right? Like, no, Dr. Manhattan can't become a human. And they say that twice. Yeah. So yeah. it's interesting how nobody knows where he is. And I think after the events of the comic, why would he be doing that on Mars? Why would he be that's building? My, that's my whole point. Like, yeah, I wouldn't be. Yeah, he's gonna be doing crazier yeah shit he, he, made, already, like, he already did that in the comic exactly like, is that old footage you that, know? it doesn't like, make sense because in the comic yeah. he ran away to do that said it yeah. was a waste of time realized his yeah. connection to humanity and the end decided that with a that i with the plan that ozymandias did has to go forward right kills rorschach who was going to expose it and then he goes off and says, I've got to kind of, I've got to learn more. I've got to live more. So he wasn't trying to escape. My idea when I saw it at the end of the comic was not that he was trying to escape. My idea was that he had finally realized all the wonders of the universe he had to explore. And yes. Yeah. And life and in humans too. So it might involve spending more time with humans or something. So I think it's interesting that there exists this weird idea of who he is and this joke about, you could imagine like, you know, Damon's so silly. You could imagine next episode, someone's wearing a t-shirt that says that shows Dr. Manhattan with sunglasses chilling on a beach in Mars or something. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> like it's a joke in this world, just like the squid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I mean, yeah, if if again, just to bust that myth, if Doctor Manhattan were doing something on Mars, he would have just do. He could break off into probably infinite versions of himself to like build everything. Mars would be completely built up and probably be looking a lot better than Earth. You know what I'm saying? Like, just there's so many possibilities that like I'm starting to believe, and based on what I've seen in the leftovers, that we may never see Doctor Manhattan again in the show. Mm. I don't know. I just don't understand. <laughs> I don't think you're wrong. I don't yeah. think you're wrong at all. I think because, that they could yeah. just keep on making allusions to him and jokes and blaming him for things or, or giving him credit. And then at the end, at the last episode, the last five minutes is in or last 15 minutes is just an extended scene of Dr. Manhattan traveling through the universe, hanging out, doing yeah. shit. Right. And then yeah. at the end, he picks up a cell phone and checks it and sees the newspaper headline that ended the show. And then we cut the black because I, I really think, and that would Except be there are no cell phones. <laughs> yeah, well, that would be the joke, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but I think that it would uh, it wouldn't be past Damon to do that. And thematically speaking, it would make sense because yeah, a lot of what the Watchmen is about and what this show is already about is personal responsibility and right. and how um, how institutions and superheroes and everyone's supposed to you got to save yourself. And the real thing that's important is the people around you. And, and the decisions that you make and the real effect they have on the human beings you love and care about and who love and care about you. And I think that yeah. Dr. Manhattan is an escape from that. And I think that's why in the comic, he becomes really a force of evil, not a force of good. Yeah. Um, so it's interesting. That's interesting. Probably should uh, get moving along. Yeah, let's see. Uh, um, do you want to talk a little bit about Ozymandias? Yeah, just, uh, yeah, let's talk about it. What did you think? Um, so uh, we, we obviously, we start off in the action and it, a play is being performed and uh, his two servants that we saw are in the play. They're the only actors in the play. And then we see another hooded um, figure banging a drum like a clock the whole yep. time during <laughs> tick the drum. Tock, tick tock. <laughs> yeah, tick tock, tick tock. So you're beating over the head with it over and over again. Um, and then after he kills... You know, for effect, he kills uh, the guy that was playing John Osterman, who's Dr. Manhattan, um, and he kills him. And he uh, and then uh, after that, the play's over and a whole bunch of other hooded figures come out and take off their hoods. And we see that it's just, yeah, they're clones, you know, baby. the two of them and it's just clones. Yeah. So it's either clones or robots it can still be robots, but it seems like it's clones. It could be, yeah, or you know, right. bioengineered organisms. Yeah. However, you want to describe it, but True. he obviously has no problem. Some genetic engineering, yeah. yeah, and he kills one right in front of the other ones, and yeah, says, "Add it to the rest of the pile, and we're going to have, you know, we're going to they'll they'll be good for something later, which is maybe what props in the final act of the play." Uh, when it's New York and they're all, I mean, this was an interesting scene. Also the tomato tree. There's no such thing as a tomato tree, by the way, everyone, I looked it up. There is a certain <laughs> plant that does grow on kind of things that look like we a grow tree, them in our yard, but it's a vine actually. So yes. there's no such thing as a tomato tree. Um, this yeah. is not real. This world, it does not seem real to me. It seems oh. either he's not on earth. It's manufactured. Um, Something mm -hmm. is weird. I said it last time. I continue to think that he keeps on riding around on a horse. The rider is approaching. Uh, it's very Man. strange. And I'm worried about a clone revolt at this point. Cause they all look, they look at the dead one and he's like, you're Mr. Smith now, you know? Um, or, yeah. and then it's not a nice way to keep the things around you. At some point they're going to maybe figure it out, but I don't know. I guess the play, I thought the play might be our story. But it seems like maybe it will be. Maybe he's telling the entire thing here and now. And, and Dr. Manhattan has – this is his jail. And we're seeing him play it out in a flash forward or something. Or maybe he's planning it now. I don't know. It's, it's interesting though. Okay. So let me uh, add a couple things here. One thing – remember we saw a newspaper clipping uh, that Ozymandias – I mean Adrian Veet was dead. Um, I – my initial, like when I saw all this, I thought, oh, yeah, he cloned himself, and that's just a clone. We, we, we thought that maybe what we're seeing is a clone uh, here, but no, I think he actually 
his clone or whatever this genetics engineering whatever it is um he uh it was a clone that died not him so they have a body so that makes sense yeah, like how, yeah. how do you explain that so i think that he's right like the a, attempt yeah 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 so i i almost feel like he's in a bubble okay so the comic was in antarctica almost in like another bubble right he was it was basically another bubble yeah, yep yeah, so why couldn't he be in a similar bubble somewhere else? On Mars? <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, I don't see that happening, no. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. I, I don't, I just, I, I think, think it's on Earth. Whatever, I think it's on Earth. Whatever it and, is, I'm starting to see this as a, Um, I know we're only two in, but obviously he did a play within the show that's about the comic of the show. So I am definitely viewing these segments as a thematic commentary on the main story. And I would not be surprised if in the same way that you say we might never see Dr. Manhattan, I wouldn't be surprised if this Jeremy Irons never interacts with any of the other characters. That's possible, but he will interact with the story. I don't know. I do. I feel like that. Okay. So I also feel that with the tree that he genetically engineered that. I mean, if he, yeah. or if he was able to do what he did with the, the clones there, then it's very possible. You're right. World- he could just be in Wales and he's kind of has his own little secluded place where he can go crazy with his experiments. Yeah. Or it could be hidden yeah. or cloaked or something. Ah, yeah. That's a, that's interesting too. It could all be an illusion and then it all fades out and he's like in the middle of central park. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <hey. laughs> so, maybe, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking, a house. I ain't going to say uh-uh. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Inside joke on the podcast. podcast. Can't yeah. not talking about it. That's so we right, got baby. some central park stories, people. All right. Um, what else you want to talk? Oh, you had, you had in the notes, um, the watch, um, yeah, what do you, do you think? I, I, have, I was just thinking, like, if any additional thoughts came up, I mean, it's oh, just been so prevalent yeah. throughout the I mean, plot. I, I mean, think what are the Rorschachs? What are they doing with the watches? Why are they so important? You know, uh, you know, I mean, I had thought the idea, and I, I, I really hadn't gone any further than those watch batteries are somehow a, a bad, like a kryptonite to Dr. Manhattan. Um, but the watch stuff, I mean, look. So much of this was about time travel, and and we had a whole episode. Again, one of the greatest single issues of a comic book is the Dr. Manhattan origin story, and when he goes through everything that happened, and it's just amazing, and the way that it talks about time, and he deals with time, and it explains his concept of time. I've just got to think that's why this Ozymandias stuff in this castle, and we we haven't seen time travel yet, but there's got to be time travel on this show. It's Damon Lindelof. Yeah. He yeah, always I'm, does something with time. Either we're going to jump forward, we're going to jump back, something. I mean, I know we already have flashbacks. We got to have flash forwards. It's fla- uh, sideways, who knows? But I yeah, think that this watch is just way, baby. a continual reminder, not, o- not only that tick, 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 we're leading to something explosive, something's going to happen, or that a plan is in action, the fuse is burning, Mission Impossible style, doot, doot, doot. But that mm-hmm. time in itself is a question in this story. Yeah. I don't I know. know. That's all I'm, I got. I'm really looking forward to uh, seeing how this concept gets developed further. Yeah. It's one we um, both love. Yeah. So uh, another, 
That's right. And so another thing that uh, happened, the newspaper stand. That was awesome, man. I don't know what what actor that is. Robert Wisdom, who is okay, not only are we, do we follow each other on Twitter, cool guy, very political dude, awesome guy, great actor. The Wire was just on Ballers, has a distinguished career. And I was as soon as I saw him again, I said, yeah, my wife was like, what? I was like, it's Robert Wisdom. He's fantastic. And then they're playing into the whole newspaper stand from the comic. Yep. That was great. Which is great awesome. Scene. And who's the little girl? Who does she work for? Yeah. I mean, she is it, is it like a limo and, or a really nice car? And it's like a driver just drops Seems her off to get a bunch right? of copies of a newspaper. And then she asked for the Nova Express, which is similar to asking, I guess, for the comic for the Black Freighter yes. in the comic. Yeah. So, so it's a, a story. And obviously, the newspaper guy, the vendor, also has read it before so he's very aware of the story it must be kind of uh, you know like uh, pretty popular so why does you grab so many copies of the newspaper and that i don't know it's interesting so who yeah who is she working for maybe it's another watch minuteman watchman do you think it's gonna have bearing on it or is it just a homage to the comic oh no i think he's gonna come back in the show i think you don't establish something like that and not go back to it especially with that yeah. actor and especially the amount of time they gave it which was actually three kind of well two real segments there um i thought was uh, at first i thought oh maybe it's just a quick cameo but i don't think so i think it's going to be a recurring and um we're i i think it's going to be important who she works for i have no i have no idea but i love the introduction and i think it's interesting nova express black freighter it's kind of like mm-hmm. a, a futuristic take on something right um, yeah. uh, on a, uh, a mode of transportation. I wonder if they're going to make this comic happen and we're going to find out about it. Maybe Damon's already got some comic book guy working on it or gal working on it. And we'll, you know, we'll get a special uh, edition of it in the DVD or Blu-ray <laughs> or a motion awesome. comic online. Yeah. Right. And um, I wonder what it's about. And, you know, I don't know. For for those also, just a reminder that in the world of Watchmen, there are no superhero comics. Just right. like in the world of The Walking Dead, there's no such thing as zombie stories. In this world, because there are superheroes, they just didn't become popular as comic books. So yeah. pirates and other things are more popular. Yeah, I think the I think what happened was Alan Moore uh, was like he came up with the ideas like, well, in this world, you know, if you have super your heroes, that's that's not what you're going to want to look at when you're you know trying to escape from reality. Exactly. So they thought that pirates was one of the themes that a lot of people could latch on to. So yeah, that's a good way of describing it. Um. Uh, so what, what, let's see what. Was there something I, else I was going to say about? No, no. Um, the watch over this boy leaflet. We yeah, talked a I, bit I about to, that. Yeah, I wanted to mention that again, though. We didn't really talk about it at the end. So um, I felt that when the, the paper dropped and Angela grabbed it, and she. So we saw it before with the three lies. So we see the first lie, the second. We know it's the first lie, the second lie, and the third lie. She's really reading it. It's just highly symbolic. Like, I just love, this is why I love Damon Lindelof. It's like everything you've been told is lies, basically, right? And it's true. Like, the, the pamphlet was true when, when, you know, it was dropped over, you know. Right, it um, was. That- it was true, but it was true. But this is like 1917, right? Yeah. And so, though that was may have been true of German society at that point, 
It was no, not, that's just they were being lied to. I don't know yes. about if 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 right. that the German. I don't believe it was not as though the Germans eventually had we're looking some, out for them. Yeah, <laughs> we all yeah remember well, you know that. some people called the Nazis. So yeah. it's interesting. What it what it spoke more to me was how how two institute two big institutions use used each society against themselves right and though the germans had a point here and and obviously some white dude spits on him that's on his side as yeah. he goes past him while he's it, reading it yeah. yeah it looked like he was another american soldier um and they were an all black regiment we know uh, some of us hopefully more will learn about stories of these all black regiments in world war one and world war two and um, the civil war yeah definitely um people probably know more about that right because of a movie but um uh, yeah. uh call it um it's interesting that it's not so cl- it's not it's not black and white right it's not cut and dry um mm-hmm. and it's interesting because later angela says to her son you know we're black and we know the world is black and white but it's really not it's it's much more variations and this was an instance i thought was interesting because the first historical incident we had is pretty cut and dry it was a massacre right it was a white supremacist massacre and this is a little bit different because it really isn't like so much would have been treated better it's more so that i think he realizes when he looks at that paper that nobody's telling him the truth yeah, I know what you're saying. Yeah. So I wanted to um, continue uh, with all my. I'm sorry. I w- I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay, man. So yeah, you went into a deep dive there, but I it's did. great. It's, the show inspires us. That's all right, buddy. So, so um, when she's uh, looking at it, it, doesn't matter what's on the paper. It's just lies, right? It's a white piece of paper and lies. So what right. I thought of also was the white knight. So what she knew to me, that's basically, he was saying that that's a bunch of lies, like everything that happened as a result of the white knight, to me, that's what the whole point of this was, oh, okay. is that everything okay. he learned is a bunch of lies. Interesting. And she just looks like stunned and she's like looking up at him like, what the fuck? You know, she's like, what the fuck is this? You know, I don't really get this. But to me, it's like, they just dropped a hammer on her and then they took, they, they just, they gave her a little bit of information and then they pulled away at the last second right. or like, you figure it out. <laughs> Good for Aaron. That's brilliant. You're absolutely right, dude. There is a reason why he dropped it at the end. And that's, a, that's, that, it, that totally works, man. And you're right that in the same way, it's, you know, it dropped from the yeah. sky to her too, right? Just like yeah. that was her great grandfather. And, she picks it up and in, in, instead of it's, it's, it's more a metaphor for how she's being open to what was going on too, and how she may be, have been used as a pawn in someone else's game. Um, and maybe yeah. that's why he's there, yes. right? Yes. If that's her, oh. if that is her grandfather will, and the reason he can reach into stuff is just cause he's put a justice or he's special. Then is is Angela special? We had a great feedback from Andy last week on the show with Roberto, where he brought forth the theory that maybe Angela has superpowers, and maybe she's like a new masked hero that has superpowers, 
and we had talked a little bit about maybe this is a world, maybe this is what Dr. Manhattan finally gave the world. He tweaked DNA a little bit, or Ozymandias, they tweaked her DNA, and she actually has superpowers in some way. I don't know if that's true, just a crazy theory, but more so, it could just be that he wants to alert his granddaughter, hey, you're a pawn in this bigger game. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I don't think Damon Lindelof. I mean, it, just knowing him, I just don't think there's going to be superpower stuff with that. I don't know. It's just sense. that I'm just I mean, throwing it out there because I thought it was yeah, fun. It's very possible, but uh, but more so, it works with what you were saying, which is that he wants to alert her. Hey, wake up! Everything is yeah. Not wake what you up! Think. Exactly. Yeah. You need to take the blue pill. There you go. <laughs> or which one is it? I don't know. I don't want to take either pill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't know if I want to take either of those pills. No, the we'll, red pill. Yeah. We'll yeah, see whatever. in the remake. Um, all right, man. Well, we. I. This has been a great pod, man. I like the way we just flowed through different ideas and different topics. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to bring up, Aaron? Uh, I just want to, I guess, end the show on um, the way you kind of brought, you know, when you started it. And, you know, I wanted to mention that I I was much more connected to Angela and especially at the end there. I mean, we, we saw all our emotions, anger, being upset. And then I, I felt like the love when she actually, when she was putting, when she was putting Will into the van, like, there, you know, that they just kind of like sat on that moment for a minute and she was like hugging him and it was almost like, a sense of recognition and I, I felt like and you could tell that will was like hugging her because it's his granddaughter right yeah, so that was beautiful, i just i love right. that emotionality yeah. of it yep. and to me that's what the show is going to end up being about yeah I, you know yep. that's what damon lindelof does you you are 100 percent true hustler all this stuff is very fun and right now we're we're talking a lot of different theories and ideas and themes that surround politics and, and histories and racial politics. And I think in the end, those things are all very important and will be huge parts of the show. But Damon does always drill down to what I was talking about, and what you're talking about, which is human connection and why people act this way. And that's why I'm interested more too, after this episode and like they went to Nixonville, those people mm-hmm. looked very poor. They did not look very, to have a lot of advantages in this world. And and we find out about the seventh Calvary. Why are they acting that way? What attracts yeah. them? We know about white supremacy and we know about things like that in our world and the world we come from, but this is a different made up world. Why do they act that way? What? And I, I, I don't think Damon's just going to leave it at their bad white supremacists. I think yeah. he's going to dive deeper into that and see why are they pawns of a larger game too. Um, yeah. And I, th- not that it makes their actions right, but yeah, no, but everyone it, has yeah. their story. Exactly. And I think that's it, everybody's story should be told. I mean, that's the only way we're going to get over the stuff exactly. anyway. Exactly. You know? We got to understand it in order to get yeah. through it. Right. Mm-hmm. All right, that's man. Right. That was awesome, bro. I love doing this pod with you, man. I feel this was like lost mythos style, dude. Yeah, baby. Back in form, just chatting, getting into some great stuff. We hope everybody has enjoyed listening. Um, I'll be back with Roberto on Friday, where we're going to kind of go scene by scene, go a little bit deeper, as well as take your feedback 
um, for the episode. So email us at dvrpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget on Sunday, I'm real excited to be podcasting again with uh, Roger from Shat on TV. We're going to have a great time. We're going to talk all about the episode, give our instant reactions, and that's going to be a lot of fun too. And I'm thinking maybe, you know, as I go forward, I do more of these initial reactions and bring in some new blood. So if you're a podcaster out there and you're interested in jumping on, shoot us an email, dvrpodcast at gmail.com. Hey, Hustler, I'll let you take us out. All right, everybody. Hope you have a great rest of your week, but I can't wait for the next episode of Watchmen. (laughs) Ha ha ha! Peace! Peace!